So we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes, and that's really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Lord's Supper. We have the bread representing Christ's body. We have the cup representing his blood. And we all know that the bread, the cup, point to the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But more than just his death, it points to a violent death, this separation of flesh and blood. It was a violent death, and as I've talked about sometimes in the past, it was a humiliating and degrading death. It was intended to be that because when someone was crucified, the powers that be wanted to erase them and everything they stood for. They wanted everyone to see that this person who perhaps put on airs was nothing, absolutely nothing. And so when Pilate said, go ahead, crucify him, that was to be the end of Jesus. He didn't know. The high priest didn't know. No one could have known except his disciples. Jesus had told them he would be raised on the third day, but even they didn't know because they couldn't take it in. They couldn't believe it. They didn't understand that this heinous crime would be the doorway into the unleashing of new powers in the earth, the powers of the kingdom of God. They couldn't see that. They couldn't know it. They couldn't know that this horrible crime was, in fact, the way in which God would save the criminals, save people like you and me. It's an extraordinary story. It's a story of how Christ triumphed over our sin and in his triumph, triumphed for us to save us. So I want us to reflect on that, and I want us to think about our openness to what Christ has done. You see, I think this morning, I, I, I feel this, that it's, it needs to be about more than just having some ideas that maybe are inspirational, that maybe encourage us in some way. There are times when we need to have an actual experience of something happening in our life. And I'm praying that will happen for many here this morning. As we reflect on the cross, we reflect on the Lord's Supper, we reflect on God's grace revealed in both. So I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read several verses. They're not unfamiliar verses, but you know, it's it's just the way we are. We read verses so many times, we read right past them, and we miss some of the most important points. So let's go back to this. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is so much here. It's hard to know where to start. I just want to focus in on a couple of points that might easily be missed. When two people are estranged from one another, when they're connected and yet they're at odds, there's that tension and reconciliation has to happen. Now, in our lives, there's always fault on both sides or most commonly fault on both sides. Both need to be reconciled to one another because both are guilty, both need to be forgiven, both need to forgive. So reconciliation is on both sides. But you notice in this passage, Paul doesn't say anything about God being reconciled. He says that God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. What that suggests is that we are the problem, not God. The problem is not that God turns away from us, the sinner. God has turned to us in Jesus Christ. The problem is that we are turning from God. We are holding ourselves back from him. The reconciliation comes about when we turn to God who's already turned to us. If you need a picture of this, think about Jesus on the cross. God is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So what happens? Jesus on that cross cries out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This horrendous crime, sinful humanity, putting the Son of God to death. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. There is a forgiving heart exemplified by Christ. God has a forgiving heart seen in Christ at this point. This is God seeking to turn us to himself. This is God's love demonstrated in the cross. Jesus at that moment is extending that love. He takes it with him into the tomb and he rises from the dead and as the resurrected Christ, he commissions Paul and others, including us, to take that message of reconciliation, that gospel of grace, where we can tell people that God is not the problem, we are the problem. We are the problem. God is extending grace and we won't receive it. That's the difficulty. You know, what people often think is that is that, yes, I'm a sinner, but my real problem is that God's angry with me, that God is, God is set against me because I'm a sinner. But that's the opposite of the truth. The truth is God is for us. God is extending his grace. God has acted in Christ to reconcile us. That is, that is through the love demonstrated in the cross, he's seeking to turn us back to himself. Now, that's what he did in the cross, but then part of this whole, th this whole process... <laughs> of salvation comes through the message because Christ is reconciling the world to himself through the cross, God not counting people's sins against them, Father, forgive them. So sin is, is not the issue anymore, not for God. God's taking care of that. But then on the other side, Paul has to deliver the message. He has to implore people, be reconciled to God. 
Be reconciled to God. In other words, God has done everything that needs to be done. God has extended forgiveness to all who will receive it. Now it's simply a question of receiving it. Do you see that? From this passage, it's very, very clear. It's a matter of us receiving. So Paul gives a command. Be reconciled to God. Now, it's an interesting command because it's a command that we need to obey. If I'm going to experience what God intends for me to experience through what Christ has done, then I need to obey this command. I need to be reconciled. But you notice this command's in the passive voice. I don't reconcile myself. I need to be reconciled. God's done it. Essentially, it comes down to this. I need to accept what God offers. There's nothing for me to do or achieve. I have to release those things that stand in the way, that keep me turned away from God. I'm looking and I'm thinking, you know, I'm not sure I'm getting through here. I'm not sure I'm getting through here. Here's what I'm trying to say. Think of it this way. Think about the sky covered with clouds and a storm is raging. And it seems like heaven itself is set against us. But if you've ever been a plane, you get above the clouds, it's clear as can be up there. Those clouds are the perspiration of the earth. They rise from the earth. They don't come down from heaven. God in Christ has demonstrated his saving righteousness, his determination to redeem. When God seems set against us, it's actually an optical illusion caused by our being out of harmony with God. That's the problem. Do you see? That's the problem. That's why Paul doesn't have to say, God, be reconciled to sinners. Because God's not the problem. He's saying we must be reconciled. That is, we're the ones that are creating that separation, and that needs to to go away, that we can experience God in a whole new, fresh way. So, there are lots of things that happen that keep people from simply receiving the grace of God, from receiving this, this sense of God's good presence One of the things that happens is people just, you know, they may not want to let go of something, some sin in their life. They want to hold on to it. I remember a young man, he's a student at Baylor um, from a Hindu family, but he himself was a secularist. And and he was in one of the classes I was teaching, and he kind of liked some of the things I was saying. So he wanted to talk a lot about Christianity, wanted to understand it. We had a lot of long conversations, and, and he was interested, but he couldn't quite... He couldn't quite get there. Do you mean I can't sleep with my girlfriend? That's what he he asked me. That's what he asked me. Are you saying that I can't be saved if I sleep with my girlfriend? You know what I said? I said, yes, that's what I mean. Here's why. Because he was putting that as a condition. Okay, God, I'm ready, provided you yield on this point, and God doesn't yield on any points. So because he made that condition, I said, yeah, that's right. That's, that's what's got to happen. 
So you see, he was holding back from God. So people do that with, with sin. People do that with a lot of things. And there's one thing in particular I want to focus on this morning. And this is where I think there could be a real freedom come into a lot of our lives. One of the areas where we are locked up and unable to receive God's grace is the area of forgiveness, or I should say unforgiveness. Would you go ahead and put up the next scripture there? I want you to look at this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, if I am, if I am holding on to, to the way it's supposed to be, my rights and my prerogatives, if I want everybody to get their due for what they've done, if I want, if I want justice to be done, if I'm holding on to that and, that and I'm resentful to somebody because they've not done justice justly to me, then I can't open myself up to grace. See, if I'm clinging to that notion of merit and justice, then how can I open myself up to God's offer of forgiveness? It's like a, a whole different way of thinking, a whole different way of living. And a lot of people, a lot of people fail to experience the forgiveness that God freely offers through Jesus Christ, the love that he extends to them because they haven't been able to release, they've been unwilling to release someone else. They've been holding on to that resentment. I'm not talking about, about you know, being forgiven because you're such a forgiving person. That's not what I'm talking about. It's more like if you want a breath of fresh air, First, you have to breathe the air out. Exhale the air that's already in your lungs. Then you can take it in. And if our, if our lives are full of unforgiveness, we can't take in the grace that God has for us. So when we look at the Lord's Supper, here is, here is Jesus Christ being represented Jesus Christ offering himself up for us, violently put to death, and yet through it, his love triumphs. And through his resurrection, he lives, and he invites us to come. There is nothing on God's side that hinders. There's, there's no unresolved issue on God's side. It's all on our side, and there could be a lot of things, but one that's so very, very common is this issue of unforgiveness. So in a moment, we're going to pass out the elements, and when we do, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take a moment and consider, is there someone I need to forgive? Is there someone I need to release? Because it's as you breathe out, as you let that go, that you open yourself up to the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ, that you can experience that on a new level. That could be a moment for you today where you could truly experience something, not just hear about God, but experience God in a new way.
It's hard to do, and you can't do it perfectly, but you can ask God to help you to let it go, to let that person go, to let the wrong you've suffered go. Let it go and ask God to fill you with his grace and his healing. Amen. Pray with me, would you? Lord, we pray in these remaining minutes as we share in the Lord's Supper that you would work in our lives and, Lord, that you would, that you would free us from the chains that hold us, particularly unforgiveness, Lord. May you, by your Spirit, help us to let it go that we might receive your full and free grace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.